Now, as we uh, begin talking a little bit about uh, what we're going to cover today, I want to um, just talk about why we're here, start there, because I think if you forget the why, the what can kind of lose meaning. Yeah, we come and we sing some songs and we uh, listen to God's Word preach, and yes, we've got volunteers, greeters, and people working in the kids' ministry and all over the place, but if you just talk about the what without ever talking about the why, it, it can kind of seem pointless at times. And so I want to cover uh, just why we exist in the first place. And we talk about this all the time, so this isn't going to be anything new or surprising to you as we get into this. But the reason that we exist is Loewe Christian Church exists to connect people to Jesus, grow them in Jesus, and impact the world for Jesus. And at the heart of everything that we do is Jesus. We primarily exist because of what Jesus has done for us, that he died on the cross in my place, in your place. He paid the price before God for the wrong that I've done, for the wrong that you have done in, in your life and mine. Um, and since Jesus paid the price with his perfect life, our mess gets wiped clean. Our list of wrongs gets forgiven. We get to, in a sense, trade places with him in terms of our identity. He became the one who was sinful on the cross when he paid for the, uh, all of our sins, and we get his perfect identity as if we've lived the perfect life that he lived. And so without Jesus, what we do here has no point. We have no hope of rescue and forgiveness. There's no chance at an eternity of joy, no chance at a true relationship with our Creator. And so everything we've got to do has to revolve around and center around what Jesus has done for us. And um, in the specific ways we try to live that out is we want to connect people to Jesus, meaning we want people to be able to place their trust in Him for their salvation. Meaning that if they're going to get to heaven, they know that it's not because they did a bunch of good things or they tried to be a nice person, or because they gave enough money to a church or a religious organization, we know that the only pathway to heaven is trusting in what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And when we give our lives to Jesus, we are connected to an eternity. I mean, we don't often think about how big that is. I mean, the change that we experience when we put our lives in Christ, eternity is changed forever. Your, your future moves from hopeless to hopeful. Not even not just hopeful, but just ridiculous levels of hope and joy are on the horizon. And so we want to connect people to Jesus. Secondly, we want to grow people in Him, meaning that we want people to have a transforming relationship so that every time, uh, through hopefully through the ministry of our church and maybe any other way God wants to show up in your life, you are matured and transformed into the likeness of Jesus. That as you have a life in Christ, it transforms your heart away from chaos and into the peace of Christ. It transforms your heart away from selfishness into the selflessness that he modeled for us. So we want to actually have a transforming, growing relationship with Jesus. And thirdly, we want to impact the world for Jesus. Once we have a saving relationship and a transforming relationship, we want to see that he actually invites us in to be a part of this great mission that he's carrying out in the world. And so we actually get to be a part of this amazing work of God, and we want people to serve and use the talents and gifts that he has designed into us so that we can have lives that are purposeful, have lives that matter, so that we can look around at our church family and know, I matter here. 
I have a place here. God specifically put me here for a reason and a grand and divine purpose. And so that is why we exist, so that our lives would revolve around Jesus and, and not just be changed and transformed by him now, but in eternity, and that we might make a difference in the lives of others. Because hopefully through the impactful work that we may, are doing in the world, hopefully we'll help more people to connect to Jesus. And we create this nice little circle of ministry and leading people to Christ. Um, now, before I dive into what I want to talk about today, I want to celebrate one more thing. Um, and it's in the category of what we're going to talk about here. Um, I want to celebrate some people in our congregation. I'm not going to name anybody by names, but there are some people in our congregation who have been evangelistic powerhouses. Some people who have been dedicated to inviting people to church, uh, to having conversations of faith with people, and that is not unnoticed. Not a lot of people do that. I think I read the other day that um, in, I think, at the season, I don't know what span of years they were talking about, but they said that basically the season that the American church is in, North American church, we are at one of the lowest points of Christians exercising evangelism in the past 50 years. And so uh, I just want to celebrate good for you. It is making a difference. It is not unnoticed. And that I think it's creating some momentum toward growth that is starting to become noticeable. And the reason I say that, and I wanted to celebrate first, is because we're going to talk about reaching people for Jesus. Kind of that first point here, connecting people to Christ. Um, as many of you know, in March of last year, our church took part in a church health survey with a, an organization called Natural Church Development. And what they do is this, they give us the survey, and um, it ranks us on eight areas of church health. I won't name them for you because I honestly can't remember them all at the moment, but there's eight areas that they rank you on, and the way they think of it, um, they picture it, is imagine a barrel, and you know how barrels have the, they call them staves, those pieces of wood that go up to the side and they're held together, banded together. It said, if you want to fill that barrel with water, the water's only going to go up to the top of the highest stave. So if you've got one that's cut real short, the water's only going to get to the top of that one. And they say, that's kind of how we look at church health. There's eight staves of our church, and whatever the lowest one is, that's as high as our church health can go. That's how healthy we can be is our limiting factor, our lowest factor. And so we took a survey by Natural Church Development, and they determined that our lowest point was needs-oriented evangelism, or just hang on to the word evangelism. And what it means, and it's a pretty broad topic, but ultimately what it means is that we don't have a heart for this as we should. Our church does not um, care as much about the lost souls in the world around us as we should. Whether those are people that we uh, encounter a lot, family members and close friends, or whether it's the people that we bump into on a regular basis at work, or at the grocery store, or at the bank, or wherever you go on a regular basis. It's just showed that we didn't really have as much of a heart or a focus on that as we should. We don't take it as seriously as we should. We aren't equipping people to um, share their faith, actually have gospel conversations the way we should. We aren't equipping people to invite the way that we should. We aren't engaging with our community the way that we should. And if we are here as a, as a church, part of our mission is to share the faith with people. I mean, the way that we really should look at it is that, and th I don't, this doesn't, I don't say this in any, any arrogance because it doesn't make us better. It makes us fortunate. It makes us blessed. But without Christ, the world is on the hook for their sins. And the Bible says the punishment for sin is eternity in hell. That means there is a world of people that you and I know 
who are not going to end up in the same place where we will after we die. Not because we're good people, but because we've put our faith in the saving work of Jesus. Which means we have the way to rescue them. We have the true message of hope and salvation. And, and more and more, it's not that they don't care about Jesus. They're, the younger you go and the world out here, they don't know Jesus. We've had high schoolers talk about having faith conversations at school, and someone's like, church, what do you do there? And they literally had no idea. There's people in the world now, younger people, who don't know that Easter is anything more than bunnies and eggs. And so we have a world out there of people who just don't even know about salvation, don't even know about their eternal fate. And so we are supposed to be sharing that with the world around us. And, you know, when we took this test and we got the results back, I'll be honest, I was waiting to get the results back, and I looked at all eight categories, and I didn't know what was going to be our low one. Uh, I just I really didn't know what it was going to be. And when we got this, I thought, I'm, I was surprised. Because there's a lot of stuff that we've really tried to think about when it comes to people who don't know Jesus. Um, over the last few years, we put a lot of thought into what someone would encounter when they came to our church. Because let's be honest, church can be weird. It really can. We get into a mode of speaking our own little language, things that we hear all the time and we know the meaning of, but a lot of people don't. Fellowship, hallelujah. Uh, I mean, there's a whole host of words we could go through in church that we don't know. Communion is one that I'm sure a lot of people don't use on their everyday life. And so there's all these things that we think, okay, what's a guest going to encounter? Someone who doesn't know Jesus, doesn't know why we're doing what we do. How can we kind of explain that, help them kind of make their visit with us a little more uh, pleasurable and, and understandable. And so, you know, we've done things like started giving guest gifts just as a way to say, thank you for being here. This is the step out of your ordinary life. And you came here and we appreciate that. We've improved the signage in our building because we come here every week, we know where the bathrooms are. People who walk in don't know where the bathrooms are. They don't know where the kids should go. They don't know what to do with their kids when they walk in the door. Um, we've worked um, on how we communicate in our service. I'm sure many of you have noticed that most weeks I stand up here and say about three or four of the same things, not to you, but to people who might be new. Who I say things about the Connect card. You think, I've filled this thing out a million times, Anthony. You don't need to tell me about the Connect card. I talk about how long we're going to be here because you know, but they don't. I've talked a lot about just various ways trying to focus on new people at the beginning of our service because that information can hopefully help them to relax a little bit. Um, we've changed how we follow up with those guests. If they fill out the Connect card, we follow up with them and try to say, thank you for coming and give them some good resources for spiritual growth. We try to do a lot of things like that. And so I thought, how can this be our low point? We've worked so hard on how we respond to new guests in this building. And my problem was I was only thinking about in this building. And so I started running some numbers and like our attendance stuff and looking at you know, who came, who did, and that, that kind of thing. And I, I just wanted to see, okay, if this is truly our low point, then where's, where's the hole? What's the problem with our, uh, our ministry here? Where, where are, we, are we missing the mark? And so I started doing research into, you know, our statistics that we keep track of, attendance stuff. And I started researching other churches. What, what's, what are healthy churches doing? What are, how are they growing? And I came across a, a rule about churches that were growing. And this isn't like a rule that somebody made up. This is a rule that somebody discovered. They started studying. There's, by the way, there's church health experts, and they study churches that are growing, churches that are declining, and try to determine what's happening. And they noticed that in churches that were growing, there was a rule that was mostly true almost all the time. Churches that are growing, each year, 
Those churches that are growing have more guests, first-time guests, than their total average attendance. And so for our context, here's what that means. Um, If you want to go ahead, I think we're on page two or three maybe there. It's the uh, attendance um, page. Um, We had 122 total average attendance last year. That's all the Sundays averaged out. That's kids and uh, students and adults. That's everybody added together, 122. And so for a church our size, if we were going to grow, we would also need then 122 first-time guests. And from what I understood, that's kind of the minimum. Like, that's just barely growing past the typical rate that churches kind of shrink. Because, you know, every year you got people that move away, you got people that pass away, you got all kinds of things that happen that make churches smaller every year, just a little bit, little things like that. And so a church needs to have that minimum first-time guest just to kind of stabilize or beat, uh, stay ahead of the, the curve of attrition. And, but when you look at the number of first-time guests that we had, it was 44. So that means a church our size, 122 average, would need 122 people every year. We only had a 36% of what we actually needed to grow. And again, that's not a hard and fast rule that's true every time. That's just what researchers have found to be typical. But the fact that we were so far off the mark made me think, maybe that's our problem. Maybe it's not what we're doing in the building. Maybe it's what we're doing outside of the building. And so I think the assessment was right. We do have an evangelism problem, but the problem isn't in how people are treated when they got here. It's getting them here. We have a, uh, what they call a tiny front door. Our front door is far too small. Some churches have a back door problem, which means there's people that come to church and then disappear and never show up again. But we have a front door problem. And so we want to work this year on how we can reach more people. And again, it's not all about what we do in the building, but we have to admit this is where we can give the most focused explanation of Christ. This is where we can give the most dedicated care to people, spiritually speaking. And so um, at some point, we have to focus our attention on what happens in a church service and in our church facility. And so we want to focus more in the coming year on community engagement. Um, that's getting out into our community, helping the community know that we're here. I wonder how many people in Loami even know that this church is here and that we're actually open right now. Um, I know there's only three churches, but, you know, you'd be amazed at people that don't know that we're here. Um, We want our community to feel the love of Jesus radiating out from the building. We also want to spend some time emphasizing just how important it is for each and every one of us to embrace this mission that we are all a part of leading people to Jesus, whether that is uh, having gospel conversations or whether it is just simply inviting people to come and hopefully experience Christ here. Um, The way that most people will find their way into a church building, and this has always been true, is through a personal invitation. That is the number one way that people will find their way into a church family is through a personal invitation. And for the most part, you know, the days of people, just the population feeling like they need church, that's over. Um, I heard somebody say yesterday, the way they worded it was, "The, the American church has lost its home field advantage. We are the away team now. And that is an important way for us to change our mindset. Um, We think, oh, when something goes bad in someone's life or they hit a crisis, they're going to naturally come into church. No, there's a million other places they'll look before they come here. When people move into a new community, they're going to look for the schools, the grocery stores, and the gas stations, but they're not always going to look for the church anymore. 
And so the days when people turn to church automatically, instinctively, those days, I think, are for a large part over. And so if we are going to reach people, if people are going to hear about Jesus and his salvation, it's going to be because we have led them to Jesus and his salvation. That means that you and I need to take part in this mission. We need to understand that our role is more serious than, than maybe we've taken it before. And so as we talk about inviting people this year, it's not because we're trying to be pushy. It's not because we're just all about attendance numbers and trying to get more people in the pews or anything like that. It's because every number of per, of, that comes into our building, every number of our attendance, that's a soul with an eternity that we have the chance to preach Jesus to. And so um, we want people who don't know Jesus to be introduced to him, and that's going to happen through our work, through our dedication to make that happen. Um, Jesus told his, uh, some of his disciples when he first told them to follow him in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I think we are supposed to be fishermen and fisher, fisher women. I don't know if that's a word, but it is now. Fishermen, fisherwomen, fisher people, whatever, I don't know what the official term is in our current generation. Um, now, I've caught a lot of fish in my day. I've eaten a lot of fish that were caught in my day. And never once, never once did my fish dinner come knocking on my door and offer itself to me. The, every time I caught a fish, it was because I went where the fish was. That's how fishing works. Um, and unless you're talking about Asian carp, the fish ain't going to jump in the boat. You know? It's just not. That's just not how fishing works, and that's not how fishing worked in the first century. Fishing is an active thing that we do. We go out and reach people, try to catch them, and hopefully bring them into a loving relationship with Jesus. And so in the world we live in, if we want to reach people through evangelizing, it's going to take us understanding that we have to go out and do a little work. We've got to cast the nets as they did in the first century. And surveys show that still currently 47% of people would accept an invitation if they were invited by someone they know and trust. An invitation to church. 47%. That's one of the lower statistics, more conservative statistics. Some say it's like 73%. But let's go with the 47 just for argument's sake. You might say, but Anthony, that's 53%. 53 out of 100 people that I invite to church are going to tell me no. I'm going to say, get out of here or get lost. I don't care about your church or whatever. Okay. Let's say you have to have some awkward conversations. Let's even say you have to have awkward conversations more than half of the time you invite someone to church. But let's say 47 out of 100 people that you invite have a chance to hear about Jesus. Isn't that worth your awkwardness? Isn't that worth you having a thing? Yeah, that's fine. You don't have to come to church. I'm sorry. I just thought, you know, I enjoy it. I thought you might. There's ways to diffuse that and not make it hostile or weird or anything. And we just have to be people who embrace the fact that, again, we've lost the home field advantage. We have a world out there that needs to be reached, and it's going to take us embracing this new cultural reality to do that. And so this year, we're going to work hard on starting to fix our front door issue, which, by the way, that natural church development, it's not just a survey we take. There's actually a process to become more healthy, and part of that process is until we take the test again, which we'll take it again in the future, we focus with a laser precision on the lowest factor because that's where we are the least healthy, and it is holding the church back in terms of being healthy. Now, as I was looking at all the church numbers, though, because it's not all bad news for us, there's some stuff I discovered that was really cool. Actually, I didn't discover it until Dan Newman mentioned it just the other night. He was given some numbers, fiddling with some numbers that I handed him, and I just want to celebrate this also a little bit, because I think, given the amount of new guests that we have and the fact that it's so much lower 
than what we're supposed to have. I think our attendance probably should be declining faster than what it is, but we have something that apparently we're doing pretty well that's keeping us um, ahead of the curve a little bit here, and I just wanted to celebrate that. So we might not have the volume of guests needed to grow, but we are killing it with guest retention rates, meaning people that come back again and again. Here's another thing I learned. The average church in America has 6 to 10% of first-time guests return. We have 41% of our first-time guests. That means we have having one amazing first impression on people, I mean, compared to the norm. Another amazing statistic for us is that growing churches, not even average churches, churches that are growing, they have second-time guests come back 40% of the time. We have 55% of our second-time guests become regular attenders. That means we are, again, with first-time guests and second-time guests, we are above the curve. We are doing very, very well. And so I hope you understand how huge these numbers reflect uh, the care that uh, we are, are taking and the, the impact we're having on newer people who, when they come in the building, whether those are people who are de-churched, meaning they went to church and then dropped out for a while, or people who are just unchurched, have never been to church, never heard anything about Jesus or the gospel, or maybe like in the sermon series we're kind of in the middle of and we're going to kick back next week, people who have a weird and distorted view of God. This means we are having a great success rate at reaching more people and helping them understand who God truly is and what he can mean for them. And so I know that's a lot of numbers and statistics, and that can be boring, and I, I don't love math, but I will say this, those, they do indicate how we're doing, and kind of specifically where we're less than healthy and where we're exceeding, and, and so the in-the-building stuff we're doing fairly well at, but we can still uh, work to improve those. And so as we move into 2019, and we're going to focus hopefully a little bit on, um, again, improving our evangelism and our culture and how we uh, handle new guests around here, um, I want to ask you guys to do a few things. Um, here's the first thing. This is easy. I want you to think of three people that you know who don't know Jesus and begin praying for them. Three people that you know who do not know Jesus, and I just want you to begin praying for them, that the Holy Spirit will work in them to open their heart, soften their heart to the gospel message, and that maybe you would have an opportunity or that someone would have an opportunity to reach them for Jesus. And so I, I don't know who that might be for you, um, but we do live in the Bible Belt. So let me just say something else really quickly. I heard another uh, pastor in Texas say that um, this is a hazard of living in the Bible Belt, is that there are a lot of people who think they are Christians who are not. There are a lot of people who consider themselves Christians, but you really look at their life, and there, there's no dedication to Jesus, no, no growth in, in a relationship with him. And so one of the things that, that is tricky is that we've often got to show people they're not Christians before we can help them become Christians. And so maybe the person in your life even that you're going to pray for thinks they're a Christian. Maybe, maybe the prayer is help open their eyes to the fact that, you know, sometimes Putting your faith in Jesus, it means, yes, receiving the free gift of salvation, but then in turn, Jesus says that we've got to follow, follow in his footsteps. Think of three people you don't know and begin praying for them. Secondly, when guests come, be welcoming as you would if a guest came to your house. Um, I don't know a whole lot of people that if you had somebody over for dinner and you were hanging out in your living room and they sat in the chair that you usually sat in, I don't know a whole lot of people that are going to say, you're in my seat. 
But people do that all the time at church. We've been pretty good about that here because I harped on it, and I don't think it's happened here for a long time, I hope, okay? But that's just this idea that when people come into your home, and this is our church home, we, we roll out the red carpet. We, get, we ask them, if, can I get you a drink? Can I show you around my house so you know where the bathrooms are? We kind of want them to feel, you know, mi casa es su casa. We want them to be relaxed and, and comfortable in our place. Sometimes we even spruce things up. So, you know, so whether you're used to cleaning by shoving things under the bed in your kid's room just so it doesn't look like a train wreck, putting all the dishes in the dishwasher or anything in the dishwasher just so you can close the door and hide it away, Whatever it is, you know, there's, there's things that we can do here to make people feel welcome. We can talk to people that are in the building that we don't know. And here's the thing that you're going to encounter when you talk to people you don't know. They're going to say, I've been here a while. And you're going to make, ah, let me take my foot out of my mouth. Okay, and you're going to feel bad about it, but you don't need to. Because, you know what, we don't switch sides all the time. We kind of have unofficial assigned seating. I mean, we could probably hand out deeds to certain seats because they're filled by the same people every week. It's like an ownership thing, right? That's just, how, that's just how church is. When I came here 10 years ago, plus, I made the decision that I'm never going to sit in the same place twice. That lasted like two years, and I've been sitting right there in the front row for like eight years. It just happens, you know? It just does. And so we want to be people, though, who understand that when someone comes here, they're a guest, and we should treat them as such. Whether that is, there's trash on the floor, that's not a good impression for a guest. I'm going to pick it up and throw it away, even though no one asked me to, even though it's not my job, even though, you know, I didn't throw that there, somebody else's kid was, and their kid needs to pick it up. We just pick it up because there's a guest. When someone looks lost, you say, do you need help finding something? Can I help you with anything? Just kindness like we do. That is a great way to go very far in being a welcoming church. And thirdly, Respect those moments when we focus on guests, because here's the thing, when you're doing a church service and you want to actually reach people and not leave them lost or make them feel like an outsider, there's, there's things that we do here that aren't going to apply to those of you who come faithfully week in and week out, and I want you to understand that that's necessary, and so yes, I'm probably for a little bit going to continue at the beginning of the service talking to new people. In those moments, maybe, I'm not saying be quiet all the time, just totally hush up, but if everybody's like, oh, this isn't me, we can keep talking and we'll jump in when the service makes, ap applies to us, the new people can't hear the information that they need to feel relaxed. Because the number one question, again, statistically speaking, that guys ask when they come to church for the first time is, how long am I stuck here? So that's why I say, we'll be here about an hour to put that uneasiness at rest. That's why we want people to fill out the Connect card, because when they fill that out, we can follow up with them and say, we are so glad that you're here. Here's some information that might help you in your spiritual walk with Christ. You guys might not need that, but I just want you to acknowledge and respect that somebody needs to hear that. And we want them to know that we expected them, that we're glad they're here, and that we are willing to do things for them, that we want them to be here, that they can belong here even if they don't believe everything that we believe just yet. And so I'd ask that you would respect those moments when we do things for new people, even if it might not apply to you. It's part of your ministry to those helping them to know Jesus. So that's just a little taste of what we want to accomplish in 2019 and why we want to accomplish what, we want to, what we're focusing on in 2019, because we really think that we can be a healthier church 
And we are grateful because th- that, um, that the natural church development kind of shined a spotlight on maybe something that, that we've been neglecting and we either didn't know it or we just didn't know what to do with it. And it's, it's pushing us to, to be healthier in a place that we haven't been uh, maybe healthy for a while. And so there's some more ideas and thoughts on how we're going to do this um, that I didn't cover today. But as we uh, work through those and start implementing some things, you'll hear about them. They'll be fleshed out, and um, hopefully you'll even be a part of them, some of you, to making some of these new programs and whatnot a reality. And, you know, I I just want to let you know, and hopefully you feel the same way, I love this church. And I don't mean the building or anything. I mean the people. Our church is the people. It is not a building. It is not drywall and wood and screws and wiring and whatnot and carpet. The church is the people. And I am so grateful for Loami Christian Church. I love how God has brought us together. I love how this church cares for one another. I love how we enjoy serving together. I enjoy watching those moments when, when, um, you know, Something unexpected happens, and we kind of have to rally the troops, and man, people just show up by the dozen. It's just so encouraging to see the heart that so many of you have for Christ and for your church family. And um, I was going to hopefully have my wife here when I said this, but we are, we are thankful for this church. Um, just me and her, we're grateful to be here. Uh, I've, I've said this for years, and I've known this, I've appreciated this from the second I showed up at Loami. I had so many friends that I went to Bible college with, and we you know, we thought we were going to we were going to save the whole world. That's what we thought in college, you know. We felt like college a couple times, like we wanted to get out of the ministry, but we were training, you know. So we kind of felt like we were running real fast, but spinning our wheels, not going anywhere. We just couldn't wait for someone to open the gates and let us out. We're going to preach Jesus and save the whole world. And so many of my friends, I think the majority of my friends, are no longer in ministry because they got destroyed by some churches and some Christians who were just, I don't know, the reasoning and the stories behind it. But that has never been the case. I have never felt squashed or hurt or taken advantage of here. This has just been a wonderful and blessed relationship. I am so glad to be a part of this church. And I look forward to what God's going to do this year and in the future. And so hopefully as we get into 2019, you do it with a sense of expectation that God has big things in store, that God is going to keep working in our church. Yeah, we're not probably going to blow up to a mega church. That's okay. That doesn't mean that we can't still preach Jesus to our neighbors and help more people come to know him, be transformed by him, and experience their place in God's grand plan of salvation. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time that we can talk about the future of our church. Thank you for uh, the vision that we can have as we look forward to where you're going to work, what you're going to do. I pray that as we um, come here together each and every week, that um, we can be grown, we can be shaped, we can be empowered by your Spirit to carry on this ministry work that you've given us. And I thank you that, that we can look at some things and, and acknowledge where we're falling short, or maybe just not as healthy as we could be, not, not as strong as we could be. And I just pray that we can be better, we can be healthier, so that we can carry out the mission you've put into our hands here in Loami. And I pray that you would give us a sense of urgency for that mission, that we would understand that you... Um, You didn't put us here to sit and consume. You put us here to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to carry on the work that he started in his days on earth. And I pray that as we are here, that we would be energized by that, that we would see the the sheer amazement and awe and wonder of the God of the universe trusting this huge, giant, God-sized mission to a bunch of little, weak, frail, fickle humans. And the fact that you've in any way asked us to be a part of it is a blessing and an honor. And I pray that we would just, again, respect that, that great task you've given us. 
So thank you for this time to talk about uh, 2019 and what happened in the, the last year. Thank you for the focus you've given us through that natural church development thing and all the people that have worked to uh, see how we can improve and, and be better in the coming year. We are just grateful for all you've done, and we know that um, the best days are ahead because you are a God um, who, who is never done with us. You've always got something for us to do as long as we're committed to following in the footsteps of your son. And so help us to be committed to that and let us discover what you have for us in the coming year. It's in Jesus' beautiful name that we pray. Amen.